Blaine Byler. I am 26 years old, and Eli and Sarah are my parents. I have uh, seven brothers and sisters, and I was born in Middlefield, Ohio, in an Amish family. We went to church every Sunday, every two weeks. We had everything that I could ever want. Dad had a great job. He had kind of all kinds of money. He, every toy, every toy that I could want. I literally had everything that I wanted to set myself up for success in life, to set myself up for the American dream, if you would. Who all wants to live the American dream? Nobody? Who wants money? Who wants houses? Cars? Anybody? Is that success? Is that what success looks like? In my little heart, I thought that was success. I wanted to be the kid up on stage. I wanted to be the kid up on the mountains. I wanted to be the kid that everybody talked about. That's who I was when I was a little kid. That's who I wanted to be. And I did things my way. And I'll tell you a little story that will basically sum up my teens and everything. When I was six years old, I was with my grandpa out walking in the woods. I used to live up in Middlefield. And he told me that's poison ivy, don't touch that. Don't mess with poison ivy. Well, the next day when grandpa wasn't with me, I go back and I rub it all over my body. So guess this kid was pretty miserable for about two weeks. My face was swollen up. I was itching everywhere. And that's the kind of rebellious spirit that I had that if somebody tells me not to do something, I'm going to do it. Like, when you look away, I'm going to be doing that. I don't know how many times I got five, six butt whoopings in a day and it didn't matter. It didn't phase me, it didn't touch me because I'm gonna do what Wayne wants to do. This is all about Wayne. I'm gonna grab life by the horns and I'm gonna ride it. And I'm gonna win, I'm gonna succeed, I'm gonna be successful. So that's how I started out my life. Up until going through school, getting in trouble, ended up getting expelled in the eighth grade for a while, and didn't matter what mom and dad said, didn't matter what my grandma and grandpa said, didn't matter that we went to church every, every two weeks. I knew who Jesus was, I knew who God was, I know what he does for people, but no, I don't want none of that. I don't want to be a Bible thumper. I don't want that name, no. I want people to know who Wayne is, of what Wayne's doing, of what Wayne accomplished, because this is my life. And I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life. So I got out of school and got my first job. And started racing horses and training horses. We had like 60 horses, something like that, 50, 60 horses. And everything was going good. I loved my job. I loved working with horses. Everything was going great. And there was some, there was some drinking there that I knew about, and then one day I caught two guys out behind the barn smoking something. I didn't know what it was, but I was curious, because I knew they were doing something they were supposed to, because I walked around the corner, and they're like trying to hide it, put it out, get it out of there, so I knew they were doing something they weren't supposed to, so I wanted in. If it's bad, I wanted in. So the next day, they got me to smoke pot for the first time. And I was like, meh. I didn't really like it at first. 
it just kind of put me in a like, I don't know, it was weird. I didn't like it. And at that point, I wasn't drinking yet either. I drank a beer or two here or there, but that's it. And then once, of course, turned it twice, and then it just maybe uh, once a week, and then twice a week, then on the weekends. And next thing you know, I'm going to work every morning and smoking pot on the way to work. You get there, you jump out of the truck, you smoke some more. And then that's what you do all day. Just work the horses, smoke pot. Weekends, you go drinking. Anyway, well, I had to quit that job. I was there for, I don't know, a year, year and a half, something like that. I don't know. So I quit my job and But then, that's when I turned 16, and I started hanging out with, in Middlefield. So I moved back up there, got a job up there, and we were building greenhouses and staying on stayovers. Um, we'd go to work Sunday afternoons, and we'd come home late Thursday nights. We'd work anywhere from 14 to 18 hours a day. Four days straight, give everything you got, and have a three-day weekend. And I love that job. I love to work. Work is my go-to. If I'm stressed out, I work. If I'm sad, I work. If I'm happy, I work. Work is my go-to. It's my, and it's not that good because you work your life away. What do you got? What is work at the end of the day? Still work. Ain't got nothing. What's family at the end of the day? Love, joy, peace, happiness, acceptance. So it's basically working my life away and working these long hours. So what do you need when you work long hours? You live in the party lifestyle. Out drinking every weekend. Thinking you're on top of the world. That's where Coke comes into play. And then I started doing Coke to deal with the fatigue. So, and when I found Coke, I'm like, yeah, this is it. Like, why doesn't everybody do cocaine? You can go for days. But you always had to go get another fix. Two hours later, you had to go get another fix. You had to go get more. And see, at first, at first, I was spending maybe 20 bucks a day. 20, 30 bucks a day, what's that? To work all day? Sure, that's, that's great, that's awesome. But then, one month later, it takes more, takes more. Next thing you know, you're spending your whole paycheck on coke. A year later, you're the local Walmart robbing a Walmart so you can go buy more coke. Just takes more. It's a vicious, it was a vicious cycle. Go, 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 constantly. So after, after that, I lost that job, and for a couple months, I moved back to to mom and dad's. This was in 2013, I believe, that spring. So I moved back for a while because my life was getting out of control. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have nobody. It was just me. But still, I was this cocky guy that thinks that he's got the world by the horn. 
was still all about Wayne, all about what I wanted to do. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Doesn't matter who I destroy, doesn't matter what I wreck, it was still all about me. So I moved back to mom and dad's, I was there for, oh, I don't know, a couple months. I got tired of it. So where I go to? Straight back to my, to my old friends, back up to Middlefield, got another job up there, and started working again. Got right back in the same vicious cycle. But this time, instead of cocaine, it was heroin. Had to go one step higher, one step harder. Because cocaine wasn't doing it anymore. See, everybody's looking for something. Everybody's got a hole in them. You can't say you don't because you do. What drives you? What makes you do the things that you do? You're looking for something. You're going after something. That's what made me do heroin. I was looking for, for acceptance. I was looking for love. I was looking for joy. But you know what the thing of it is? It was counterfeit. That's what Satan is. He's a counterfeit. Satan can't create anything. Jesus creates something and Satan counterfeits. So heroin, drugs, uh, whatever, the lust of the flesh, that's all a counterfeit of what Jesus created. It's got a fake front of joy, of peace calmness, of acceptance. That's what I was going after. But it was all a counterfeit. So, so, I got another job with another greenhouse company, and we started doing the same thing. Uh, working away from home, and, but this time, instead of doing coke, I was doing heroin, and, which is way more lethal, and it only took, oh, I don't know, six, eight months before I couldn't hide it anymore. Couldn't get out of bed to go to work, unless I had my fix. And my boss knew something was up, but he didn't want to say nothing to me. Mom and dad knew something was up, but they didn't, they didn't know how to handle it. Because they never dealt with anything like that before. So about six, six and a half months in, I was a full-blown heroin addict doing whatever I wanted to and my, my boss basically did the best thing he could do he somehow I don't know how got a hold of my dad and called him and told him what was going on and he sent me home he's like you have it you you have your job back once you get your life in order once you go to rehab I'll have your job back best job I've had so far and I was I was making very good money and I thought well what, okay I'll go to rehab for a couple months get back get my job back get on my feet I'm gonna do this like I can I can take this for sure so he calls dad I go home and at this point I haven't been home probably oh I'd go home every four or five months but I wouldn't want to go home because when you're an addict, why do you want to go home and see the look of disappointment on your mom's face? Why would you want to do that? I didn't want to go through that. Every time I went home, I couldn't stand it. Because I was doing what I wanted to do, but it was wrecking my mom's life, my mom's heart. But see, the thing of it is, I get home, she's, she's in tears, she's a wreck. 
But that still didn't get me to quit using stuff. Because it's about you and Christ. And only you and Christ. Your mom can't save you. Your husband can't save you. Your wife can't save you. Your girlfriend, your spouse, whatever. They can't. It's about you and Christ. See, I went to rehab for... I went down to rehab for nine weeks. I was there for nine weeks. Everybody thought I was doing good. Yeah, he's, he's doing great. He's in rehab. He's talking about the Bible. He's talking about Jesus. It's great. But every weekend, they let me go home for a couple days to see mom and dad. What was I doing? Going up to Millfield and getting more heroin. But everybody, everybody on the outside was like, yeah, he's doing very good. Because I was talking about Jesus, I was reading my Bible, and I was going to church, but I still haven't surrendered to Jesus. I still haven't given my life to him. So everybody thought I was doing great. So I was there for nine weeks. I left there. I'm like, okay, I'll, I should be able to do this. Yeah, moved back to mom and dad. And started working again. I was clean for... Oh, I would say a month and a half. Something like that. I didn't use. And then I said, why not? A rough week. Went up to Millfield. And I'm going to backtrack a little bit. 2015, just before I went to rehab, I was working down in Chillicothe, Ohio with one of my, my friends. And it was five and a half hours away. And we went down there Sunday night. We were going to stay until Thursday night doing construction. So we get down there. We work till Tuesday night. On a Wednesday night, we realized, like, hey, we don't have any more dope. Like, we are going to be sick tomorrow. You can't, if, if you don't have your fix, you can't work. You won't get out of bed. You are worthless. Like, well, what are, what are we gonna do? Like, we're five and a half hours away from Cleveland, we have no no clue who anybody is here. So we pedal the streets, trying to find trying to find a fix, couldn't find nothing. So at ten o'clock at night, we decided we're gonna we're gonna go go up to Cleveland. We're gonna drive five and a half hours. He'll get us a fix, and next morning we'll come back to work. So that's what we did. We took off Wednesday night and got up there. Turn around and started back to work. Well, at uh, six o'clock that next morning, I was dri I drove most of the way, and then we stopped at McDonald's, got some food, and then it was one of the other guys' turn to drive. So I was like, "Yeah, it's my turn to get high now. Like, he's driving. I don't have to worry about anything. I can just go get high." Well, that ended up to being very fatal. I did my fix, and about two seconds later, I was out. And I woke up in the back of an ambulance. And that was my, my first time when I OD. And talk about a guy being scared. I was like, I almost died. Like, I was a couple seconds away from dying, and I was scared. I didn't know what to do. They had me strapped in the stretcher on the, on the ambulance on the way to the hospital. 
touch that stuff again. I'm done. Well, about two and a half days later, what was I doing? Same thing. Vicious cycle. Because you're always looking for something. Always. You're, something is always driving you. You're never, you're never just sitting still. People talk about sitting still. No, you're not sitting still. Something is driving you. You're trying to gain something. Somebody is always trying to gain something. Us humans aren't designed just to sit still. We always want something. Whether you want to admit it or not, you want something. So that's what I was doing two, two and a half days later. Right back to the same stuff. And I got done with court and everything. And looking back, like... God's hand was in that. Because my buddy, he spent some time in jail because of it. And I got away scot-free. I had all my charges dropped, everything dropped. Got away scot-free. Okay, so so then that's when I kept doing what I was doing. Went to rehab for nine weeks. Moved back to mom and dad. Got another job. And a month and a half later, started using it again. But it's just on the weekends. It's not that bad. Because what does Wayne want? He wants to live the American dream. He wants to live live out everything that America has to offer. What does America have, America have to offer? Freedom? Are you really free? What about money? Is that where success lies? Cars? Houses? Women, I've had all that. That's not where peace and joy is. That's not where your fulfillment is. That's not where you're going to find success. It's not. Because at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. And it always will be whether you like it or not. It's not going to change. God doesn't change his mind on it's not going to change. Jesus came and died for you. He made it all about you. He didn't say, I'm going to die for you and yada, 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 put on a whole list. No, he died for you. He made it all about you. So it's all about him. So if we make our life all about him, like he made his all about us, that's when you're truly, truly satisfied, truly fulfilled, truly successful. Because I've had everything that, that America has to offer. Don't get me wrong, I love America. I love Jesus way more. I will do anything for him. Anything. I don't care. I will give up anything for him. So anyway, I uh, was living at mom and dad, and started using again, and oh, it was probably a good eight months. It wasn't even quite a year. Through this time, through from 2011 to 2016, I went through probably about, oh, I don't know, eight different jobs, nine different jobs, couldn't keep a job, couldn't keep my life together. 
And in my sick mind, I was still in control. In my sick mind, I was like, ah, that's all right. I'll get it together someday. But at the point where, where I got out of rehab, I overdosed, and living at mom and dad, after that overdose, I didn't care anymore. Like, the guilt, the shame, the remorse were so, were so bad that I would literally just, I wouldn't go out, just sit in my room and want to die. I didn't want to live anymore. I've, I've, I've had everything that I thought was cool. I've had everything that I wanted. But I wanted to die. I didn't care if I lived or if I died. The guilt was so, so great. The despair. And I knew if I died, I'm going to hell. And I didn't care. Didn't care. Because I was so tired of running and chasing, chasing, chasing. Like, I just got out of rehab. And that didn't help. Everybody says, rehab, go to, if you, if you got a drug problem, if you got a drinking problem, go to rehab. I did that, and that didn't help. Is that the solution? Going to rehab? If it is, why did it help? I spent nine weeks of my life there, and it was a waste. Got out and started using it again. So, in March, March 10th of 2017, I, uh, I overdosed a second time. This time I was living with mom and dad, and I was up in Middlefield, overdosed, and my so-called friends just dumped me off at a bar beside the road. They dumped me off, drove off, called 911. Like, hey, there's a body laying up beside the bar outside the door. You should probably go check it out. That's the kind of friends you got. But you know what's awesome? He's like one of my best friends now. That's how Jesus works. I hated his guts for years. I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to see him. He's like one of my best friends now. That's how God works. That's what Jesus does. Because it's all about Jesus. So I go, I go, I go to the hospital again, go through the process, and... This time, all the bills and everything were coming back to mom and dad, and I tried to hide it from them. I'm like, no, that wasn't me. That was somebody else. Like, that's, that wasn't me. So, and then March 27th of 2017, I, uh, there was a drug and alcohol prevention meeting up in Middlefield. I'm like, okay, I can go up there. I'll have my guy meet me there for my fix. And then we'll go back home. It's the perfect cover. If dad wanted me to go, dad was going to go with me. So I'm like, it's the perfect cover. No one will know. Because at this point, I was using like AA meetings, celebrate recovery meetings, NA meetings. For my cover, I would be like, hey, dad, I'm going to go to an AA meeting tonight. Go up to Millicent. He'd pay for everything. And meet my guy. Come back. I'd be set for the week. So this was the same, the same thing. But I get up there. And lo and behold, all the guys I used to use with, run around with back in the day, <coughs> were at this meeting. And they were all in a program called Operation 612. And at this point, I didn't care about anything. I wanted to die. My, the, the despair was, 
care about any of this at all. There was nothing, nothing at all left in life for me. But I knew something needed to change because there's two outs. There's two things that will happen to an addict. Always two things. You're going to end up in prison or you're going to die. That's it. That's all you got. At one point or another, you're going to end up in prison or you're going to die. And I didn't care which one. Because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of going in these vicious circles. Go, 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 go. Same thing over and over and over again. But you know, I want to change. I didn't want to live like that. I want to change. I have no clue what change looked like. I tried change, what society called change, a place called rehab, and that didn't work. The reason that that doesn't work is because there's no Jesus in it. They tell you everything you want to know about an addict. They tell you the symptoms. They tell you the, uh, the problems that cause the health issues. But where's the solution at? Where's the solution for today's problems? For everything, all the hate that's going on right now, all the fear that's going on right now, what's the solution? Everybody's looking for a solution. Everybody's looking to fix the problem in their own way. But that's the thing. It's their way. So I end up, I end up with an operation 612, and... I had no clue what I was walking into. I knew it was a seven month program. And at this point I'm like, seven months? Are you kidding me? Like a year ago I just did nine weeks and I thought that was living hell. Seven months? On the way down, which is two and a half hours from mom and dad's, I was trying to figure out how I'm gonna get back home. I'm like I'll be there for a day or two, get some food. And then I'm going to go back home. But something got me to stay. I mean, I know what it, I didn't know what it was then, but I know what it is now. And that's called the Holy Spirit. Jesus got me to stay. I was curious. Because this program was different. There's one thing that stuck out to me on the ride down. The guys that were in the program... We're like, all right, it's time to go home. Like, what, what do you mean, home? It's time to go home. Like, you're in rehab. How is that your home? And, and, and the look on their face, their eyes especially, were so bright from when I seen them a couple months ago. It was different. There was something about them that I wanted. There was something about them that I knew I wanted that I was going at. I couldn't place a finger on it right then. See, I knew about God. I knew about Jesus. Yada, yada, yada. I went to church. Did all that stuff. But it wasn't personal. It didn't come from here. It didn't come from the heart. I was always doing it so people think that I'm doing okay. So people think that I got it together. So it doesn't hurt my image. Oh, what are people going to think if you don't go to church? Oh, what are people going to think? 
fill in the blank. Who really cares? Because your identity should be so deep in Christ that who really cares? What other people say? What people think? Because it's personal with you and Jesus. Your relationship with him is personal. And that's what I was missing all these years. See, I want to I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to have peace, to have joy. But I went after this counterfeit. And what did that get me? Death. Nothing. Despair. Guilt. Shame. Remorse. All that. That's what that got me. Of doing what Wayne wanted to do. And I thought that was great. I thought I was living the dream. So anyway, I was there for, for about two months. And the director of the program and myself did not get along. I did not like him. I couldn't stand him. If he'd walk in the front door, I would go out the back. We'd have a Bible study every morning from 9 until uh, anywhere from 11 to 3. Who knows? But anyway, we had a Bible study every morning after breakfast. And that's the only time I would hang out with him. That's it, because that was mandatory. So if he'd come in the front, I'd go out the back. If he comes in the back, I'll go out the front. Couldn't stand him. Well, I work for him now, and he's my best friend. That's what Christ does, too. I was about to leave. I was two months in. I was literally this close to leaving the program, and I was talking to Dan, who was another guy that was there, and he said, try one thing. Stop worrying about him. Stop focusing on what he's saying or what he's doing, and put your focus on Christ for two weeks. I want you to read your Bible, four chapters, every day, morning and night, for two weeks, and then come back and tell me where you're at. But don't worry about Paul. Get your focus off what he's doing. Put your focus where it's supposed to be. And you know, at the end of those two weeks, that's when me and Paul started getting along. No joke. That's the guy we serve. He's huge. He's bigger than all this that you see out there. All that fear, that hate that drives her people. He's bigger than that. So what are we doing to spread that? Just floating along on the ocean? Are we doing our part? What did Jesus do for you? Are you doing that for somebody else? Because that's what it's all about. It's not about just, just blindly going through life. No. Let's go out and talk about Jesus. Spread his word, spread his name, spread that love. Because that's what it's all about. Amen. I mean, there's so many churches filled up with people that just go to church every Sunday. It's time that Christians stand up and go out and spread the gospel. There's so much fear and hate going on right now. It drives me crazy. But God is bigger than that. Because he brought me out of the pits of hell where I wanted to die and didn't care that I died. Because he is that big. So I was there for two and a half months and we were working at a 
place up in Independence, Ohio, the work program was, and so it was a little dirty, so I decided I'm gonna clean out my wallet. Well, lo and behold, when I cleaned out my wallet, I found a whole bunch of crack cocaine in there that I had no clue that was in there, that I completely forgot that was in there. So I was here for two and a half months, and I was up in my room by myself, and I found all this crack cocaine. Dude, my heart started beating fast. I was stressed out immediately. My anxiety went through the roof. I'm like, what is this going on? Looking over my shoulder, making sure no one was there. I didn't want anybody to see it. Because somebody sees it, I think I'm going to get high in rehab again. So I turned around and went and flushed it down the toilet. And talk about the freedom that I felt afterwards. Dude, money can't buy that. Cars won't get you that. Houses won't get you that. Nothing on earth here will get you that. It's just not going to happen. That's life. It's not going to happen. Christ gets you that. Christ gets you that fulfillment, that satisfaction. Because if you follow him and you're one with him, that's who we're created to be. We're not created to live in this sinful world. This is not my home. I refuse to accept that this is my home. It's not. So let's not make this our home. Let's get uncomfortable for once. Get out of your comfort zone. Do something crazy. Because Jesus sure did something crazy when he died for you. I mean, he's the God of God, the King of Kings. And he died for you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, come on. That's what it's all about. There is so much trouble in the world. And people want to be comfortable here. Wow. I don't want to live here. I don't want to be here. I'm ready to see Jesus. I really, truly am. Because I'm sick of this place. I'm tired of this place. You know, and we are in a war. We are in a battle. Whether you all like it or not. You can't, you can't say we're not. Because we are. I mean, I'm going to read here in Ephesians uh, from 10 through 18. It says, finally, my brother... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So I got a question. Are we fighting people? Are we fighting other people? Why is there so much hate in churches? Why are we fighting other people? We're not fighting people against powers, against rulers of darkness of this present world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's who the battle's against. It's a spiritual battle. We were talking about uh, suffering, suffering, laying down, uh, suffering in your flesh or something like that this morning. Laying down your flesh, suffering like Christ suffered. That's a battle. To lay down your flesh every day. 
That's a battle. And you're not going to succeed without Christ. That will, that, that's what was missing when the first time I went to rehab. There was no Jesus involved. So there was no success. See, that's the thing is, the thing is, like, society deems success when you make your first million, or you make your fourth million, or you have a nice house. That's what society deems success. Dude, Jesus didn't own a house. That's not success in God's eyes. Success in God's eyes is a personal relationship with him, no matter what the cost. That is success for Jesus. It's not about all this material garbage that people own. It's really not. For we wrestle not against uh, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Okay, you may be able to stand in the evil day. It doesn't say if there's an evil day. In the evil day. There is evil all around us. So he's telling us, put on the armor. So you're, you're able to stand. If you don't have the armor, you're not going to stand. You're going to fail. That's the bottom line. Stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod. Anyway, let's go back to truth. What's the truth? There's a big misconception going on. Everybody's saying, oh, no, this is true. The next person, oh, no, this is true. Oh, no, 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 this is true. No, that's not true. This is true. What's the truth? Right here. Here's where you find truth. You don't find truth on Facebook. You don't find truth on Instagram or on TikTok or any of that garbage. You find truth right here. That's where the truth is at. That's where it lays. And it always has and it always will. No matter what next dumb app they come up with. Stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shall with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. How do you think people handle persecution? Faith. Iron sharpens iron. So you can stand in faith when the devil attacks you. Because you know who you are. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the only way you'll be able to stand in the day of trouble. The only way. And take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching therefore with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. It's all about Jesus. This whole battle, everything that's going on in today's world, all about Jesus. People don't want to admit it. They don't. But at the end of the day, he is still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You can't argue that. It's all about him and it always will be all about him.
only, the only thing that I changed in my life was I gave my life to him. I surrendered to him. And I'm not talking one time, maybe two times a day, maybe three times, maybe 15 times. But that's the beauty of it. Not my will be done. So easy to say. So difficult to exercise. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Because he gave us all this. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be joyful. But it's all through him. Because God is love. And you cannot love somebody unless you have Christ. Because that is where love centers. That's where it comes from. So I encourage you, step out. Challenge yourself. If you're not sure if you want to jump, jump. Oh, it's so beautiful. Do something that you never expected to do. Because I'm telling you, God's got your back all the time. Might not feel good, but you know, I'm going to read a paragraph right here that I wrote that says right here, A good infantryman keeps ranks, can fire expert with more than one weapon, knows how to clean and fire enemy weapons, knows battle tactics according to the situation and terrain. So he's aware. He knows what Satan's up to. He knows. He sees it coming. Is able to cross natural obstacles while carrying weights. Can fire a weapon using either hand. Can identify any enemy and stigma like planes, tanks, ships, troops. And can withstand artillery bombardment, bombing, and battle fatigue. Where do you get your strength and your courage to go to keep going? People ripped you down, and you got nowhere else to go. Where do you get the strength and the courage? His job is to obey orders, suffer, get wounded, or die. Returning home in one piece in good health is a luxury, not a need. You might be battered. You might be beaten. again, it's all about Jesus. People go into battle expecting to die. They give literally, guys in the army give up their life before they go into battle. They go in expecting to die. They're not going to make it. Are you that sold out for Jesus Christ? To before you even go, you're like, I really don't care what happens, but I'm going to do it for Jesus. I'm going to do it for him because it is all about him. This is probably one of my favorite passages of the Bible because we're in a war. We are in a battle. And it's all about Jesus. So I just want to pray us out. Thank you all for letting me speak. Take up a little bit of your time. I hope I wasn't too boring, so... Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day, Father. I thank you, Father, for all the people, Lord, that you've called into ministry, Father, that you've 
that you've called sons and daughters. Father, I thank you, Father, that, that for your grace, Lord, and for your mercy, Father, for the sunshine, Lord, I ask, Lord, that, that you start a revival, Father, for you, Father. Set a fire, Lord, in the souls of people, Father, that, may, that, that they may rise up, Lord, like an army, Lord, for you, for you, Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, for, for dying on the cross for our sins. And I ask, Lord, that you for, forgive us all of our sins, Father, and cleanse us, Lord, in the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. And I ask, Lord, for traveling mercies as everybody goes home, Father. And I ask, Lord, that, that you bless them throughout this next week. And that's what I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.